Welcome to Health System CIO's interview with Mike Schrader, Director of Information Security with Wellspan Health. I'm Anthony Guerra, founder and editor-in-chief. Mike, thanks for joining me. And thanks for having me, Anthony. All right, great. Looking forward to having a fun chat. Um, Mike, let me start out by asking you a little bit about your organization and your role. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, as you said, I'm, I'm Mike Schrader, I'm the Director of Information Security for Wellspan Health. Uh, we are an integrated uh, delivery network um, in South Central Pennsylvania, as well as uh, the northern part of Maryland. Uh, we have 20,000 employees. Uh, we have, uh, of, of that 20,000, 2,000 are, are employee providers. We have 220 uh, locations across, across South Central Pennsylvania and, and Maryland. Uh, we have eight hospital systems, um, along with home care uh, um um, services as well as behavioral health. All right, very good, Mike. Um, do you report to a CISO or do you function as the CISO? Um, at this point, we do not have a CISO, uh, but I would be the highest functioning uh, leader with security as my focus. Mm -hmm. Is that an open position or, or are they going to fill it or are they going to create it or are they just going to stick with, with you as the director? Um, at this point, um, we haven't we haven't decided if we're going to have a CISO um, or, or if one is is necessary. Uh, but I, I do report to our chief technology officer, uh, who reports to our CIO. Um, we all have a heavy focus and, and paranoia uh, around security. Mm -hmm. uh, but but at this point, no, we 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 do not have a CISO. All right, excellent. Um, tell me, I like to start with an open ended question. See what's on people's minds. Uh, what are some of the things you're thinking about, looking at, trends you're watching? Um, you could either talk about any projects you have. Some people don't really want to do that. But just what are you looking at? What are you thinking about? There, there's there's things you, you, you have to think about, um, things that are always in the news, um, things that are constantly running through either my news feeds, my, my social media feeds. Um, everything's related to some sort of attack that is that is happening. Um, a majority of those are, are, you know, are ransomware. I'm sure, you know, that's that's the the topic. It's probably top of mind for for most healthcare organizations um, and organizations in in general. Um, so we we constantly, you know, have to review and evaluate um, the different um, attack techniques um, and and compromise methods that are disclosed. Uh, you know, not everybody shares all the details, but uh, we we pay pay close attention to all of the details that are shared, whether it's publicly or or through information sharing channels that we have. Um, so those are things that are always top of mind for me um, to make sure that we're always staying ahead of that because um, you know we we patient safety is is top of mind for not only everyone in our organization, um, but but for me as a focus is how do I play into that and how does my team help make sure that we you know we, we can see and treat patients effectively. All right, so there's actually a lot there, right? I mean, let's talk social feeds. Let me let me start with that because I get this this uh I don't know if it's an anxiety, but it's like an endless fire hose that you can drink from and it's like, well, how much time am, am I going to spend on LinkedIn reading posts and updates? I have to I have to come up with some methodology so I'm not overwhelmed. Like either I look at it for 15 minutes 
and hopefully, hopefully they're, they've got an algorithm that's showing the most important, because especially in your business, I mean, and we'll, we'll talk more about this, but there has to be a methodology to your uh, consumption of information, because if not, that can be all you do. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping the algorithms are 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 helping me get the <laughs> most important things, right? Um, but yeah, it's it's you know after you watch the same the same folks and and you know you really have to curate who you follow. So make sure you trust who you follow in those different social feeds um, is is really is really important, and, and making sure that the information they share is credible. Um, and then also, you know, where 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 I usually find the most value is finding folks that are saying the same thing um, or are sharing the same articles. So then, you know, there's a little more um, legitimacy behind those. Um, again, you still have to read every article and, and take it and take, take out of it what you, what you can. Um, so I, I don't know if there's a, a secret sauce to that, uh, but that's what I found is, has been, you know, I, I think has been effective for, for us, or I feel has been effective for us. Um, at least from from my perspective, I'm I'm the one that sort of keeps keeps track of all the social the social stuff for for our groups uh, between you know all the different social media platforms, whether it's um, you know X, Twitter, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and, and LinkedIn, um, and then usually you know seeing is the same information being shared in both in both areas because uh, those seem to be the most credible when you when you kind of correlate them together. So I've, you know, I've interviewed a lot of CISOs and, you know, what you mentioned about knowing what's going on out there, what are the latest attacks? What's, what are the, I guess you call them indicators of compromise, right? I see. So what's going on, you know, the pat that kind of relates to, you know, cyber hygiene in terms of patching. Um, What are the latest attacks? What do I need to do? I spoke to one CISO who said, this is one of the most important things that he's doing. It's speed, um, speed to deal with these things. So you find out something's going on, you find out if you have a vulnerability there or not, and you address it as rapidly as humanly possible because the bad guys are getting the same information and they may have had it before. This is the other thing I'm thinking this morning and reading some stuff about these zero days they're sitting on these. So the bad guys get the zero day and they're sitting on it, right? They've got it. They're not ready. They're going to take their time. Um, and maybe as soon as they see that this is made public about the vulnerability they've been holding on to, bam, they're going to launch, right? Because not everyone's going to patch instantaneously. Your thoughts about this speed to address, I forget the acronym. I have, uh, I have it here somewhere. Um Basically, it's it's the time to address, but this speed component to your job about intelligence address, intelligence fix. Tell me about that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a dance for sure. Um, and Anthony, are you, are you referring to like zero day vulnerabilities, zero day attacks, things like that? Right. Yeah. So yeah, so it's you know our our the time we have to to address um, vulnerabilities has has significantly decreased over the last few years, um, and is it you know and it's it's one of those things is where we're, we get a lot of information. So there's a lot of public information out there. Are are, are the are the attackers also leveraging that same information, uh, which makes them more um, more likely to act quicker because now that everyone knows about the attacks that are out there, they have to move fast if they want to take advantage of them, right? So. 
we have to evaluate quickly too. So us having not only the information that's shared with us, so we have the knowledge in hand, but we also have to have the, the knowledge of our systems. So we have to know which, where is that, where is that, you know, where, where is that applicable in our environment? Um, what is truly exposed? What can be taken advantage of quickly? You know, is it something that's internet facing versus, oh, it's just, you know, it's behind our firewall. So we have a little more time, but we still need to to uh, move as, as quickly as possible. Um, so yeah, those, 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 those timeframes are really shrinking. Um, but we have to be, um, very transparent, um, uh, with our internal teams and partner with our internal teams. Um, and I think that's something that we, we do really well in our organization here is we, it's a partnership. We, we understand the impacts of not addressing, um, certain vulnerabilities and what could happen. Uh, but also the other, the other side of this is not, you know, it's not just, we can't just rely on one whole to breach our systems. We have to have different defense in depth mechanisms. So yes, we we didn't patch this one system, this one day, somebody got in, there has to be other other things that are there to either prevent or, or detect um, those attacks. So we're, yes, we, we need to patch as quickly as possible, uh, but we also have to have those layers um, to help us, uh, you know, protect ourselves and our systems. Yeah, really good points. Um... So knowledge, let's, let's touch on knowledge of our systems, right? Um, you have to know what you have in order to know if when there's threat intelligence comes out that, hey, this is what's going on, or, you know, move it or something like that comes out and they say, it gives to you and you don't want to be like, well, I don't know, right? I mean, that log4j, a lot of people didn't know because I guess it's complex and it's, it's inside stuff which is why they want to talk about the S bomb and all this stuff, a, a label on uh, which when I've heard people talk about how difficult that might be to operationalize, that sounds a little tough, both to create on the, on the manufacturing side and to absorb in any meaningful way. It sounds like it's not as simple as it might sound, but talk to me a little more about the knowledge of our systems. How does a security professional get that good knowledge of their systems as opposed to someone that really doesn't have a good grasp on, on what they have. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's critical. It's, it's one of the foundational um, parts of, of any good cybersecurity framework that, that you work with, whether it's from NIST or, or, or CIS um, understanding your assets is, is, is critical. Um, so for us, it's, you know, you get that information a lot of different ways. Um, whether you do your own vulnerability scanning, so you scan all of your systems, you look for all the different vulnerabilities, um, that's going to help you know what's vulnerable. Uh, but then, you know, you have to have some sort of asset um, tracking system, so that way you can tie that all back together. But you have to be able to understand what those assets are. Um, and so really working with the, the different teams to, to understand um at least where you need to go to get the information. Now, I don't need to know what every single system does, uh, mm -hmm. what, you know, all the servers that tie to each system, but we need to know, you know, who owns those systems and those those system owners need to understand their, their infrastructure so that if we say, you know, for instance, like when you talk about log4j, that the fire drill that it was, um, you know, understanding and, and telling the teams, you know, hey, we found this vulnerability. It is very critical that you patch your system and here's why. And then, but they need to understand, you know, either they need to look into their systems, you know, if they find the, you know, they find that component themselves or, or knowing where to get that information from if they need to reach out to their vendors. 
So if that what you're talking about is that sort of a communication between you as security and the business owner, or is it you as security and IT who's going to sort of liaise with the business owner? I can't imagine many business owners are going to have much technical knowledge about the applications yeah. they're running, and they're going to say, "Mike, I, I don't know." No, yeah, you're absolutely right. So, so the way we've handled it in the past is we'll we'll gather the entire IT team um, because our IT teams will uh, support the business. So they may not own the application themselves per se. So they may not understand how the business uses it completely, uh, but they understand the the functioning of that, and they'll have to work with their their business owner uh, to um, relay any impacts of having to patch or or take their system down for for maintenance or 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 whatever is necessary at um, at our request from from a security perspective. Uh, you talked about you know knowing what you have. This is obviously a huge point in medical device security, which comes up, you know, getting an inventory in that area is very, very difficult and maintaining it, but it's an important element of providing good security because you can't secure or patch what you don't know you have. Um, that's a tough one, right? Yeah. 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 Um, medical device security is is not, it's super important, right? So we have to keep these devices secure so that they can um, efficiently, efficient and effectively treat our patients. Um, so it's really important that we keep all of those assets tracked. Um, that is part of our the standard work of all of our, our um, biomedical uh, technicians. So making sure that those things are tracked and into our inventory system. Uh, we also make sure that we have those systems up to date in the system so that if there are recalls uh, put in place uh, that we're notified. Um, we have some integrations with some partners who send us alerts on recalls, as well as now they're including cybersecurity. Um, so if, if there is, so like, again, going back to Log4j, hey, Log4j, uh, it was found in these medical devices, you you should, you, you know, and then it gives you guidance. So, hey, here are the compensating controls, here's the mitigating, you know, factors, or here's the patches you need to deploy. Um, and, and then working through that because we can't scan those devices uh, for the most part. Um, we, we try not to use vulnerability scanning software on our medical devices um, just due to some of the um, legacy technology that's in, that's in use. Right. There's a fear that it could be damaged or disrupted by the scanning. Right. Absolutely. That's tricky. Yep. Um, very, very interesting. Very interesting. Um you know, you talked about defense in depth, right? Yeah. We we can't, we can't, you know, when I asked a, a CISO about this recently, and I said, I phrased it this way, I said, are you telling me that if the average user, meaning the someone with the sort of middle of the road level of permissions, not someone with, with super exalted rights or that kind of average user clicks on the wrong email, a malicious email, the whole system can go down. He said, "Yeah. Uh, is this is this, is that something that it, it, think about that, right? Because I'm like, well, how how is this even possible? How is this even? And he he talked to me about sort of architecture and things like that, and that you know he's moving to a different architecture, but currently the way it is in a lot of places, yes, you can get in at that level and you could bounce around and you can wind up and cause." Uh, a very big system disruption. You talked about defense in depth. We don't want to be in an environment where one click from the average person can bring us down. Um, 
so what are your thoughts a little bit more about defense in depth? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, if, if, if a single click can take our entire organization down, then I, I think um, I, I may have failed in, in some areas. Um, but yeah, so from, from a defense in depth standpoint, yes, people are going to click on links. Uh, I mean, we run our own phishing simulations. We send, you know, for, for awareness, we know folks are going to click on links. So we have to make sure that we have, um, again, defense in depth. So making sure we understand, we track those links that they click on within their email using, you know, various technologies that we have so that way we can react. Um, so once we know that that link is bad or what that link does, we can take action on um, not only the user, but maybe, maybe their end user device. Um, if we, if it, you know, completely bypasses those technologies, um, having, you know, advanced tools on your endpoint to, to look for um, anomalous activity, having um, your SIMs, so your security incident and event management um, tools, having correlation and, and logging from all the different network systems, um, applications, certain, you know, any, any um, systems that you can get information from, getting that data into one place and having it um, look for anomalous activity um, is key. But really, you know, you kind of, you, you mentioned this earlier is, is they, you know, they have some, it sounds like they may have had some privilege on, mm -hmm. on the system. Um, the key there is to make sure that you are really limiting that privilege that, that user has when they're checking their email. Um, because every, you know, all 20,000 of our users have access to email. Um, you know, that's, be, we all use it in, in one way, shape or form. And, and, the user running that has to have least privilege. And, and we've really, you know, that's something we push um, to make sure that, you know, when you need privilege, you need to escalate it um, using different accounts. Um, so really limiting that, that impact from it, from a click. Um, and there's, there's many other, you know, levels of, of, of defense and depth that we could, that we can go through, but just to keep it at a high level uh, and to answer the question around, you know, no, a, a click should not take um, all systems, all systems down. Now, there's a lot of hoops that go after mm -hmm. uh, that they have to jump through after they get uh, you know access to the system through clicking a link. But uh, but yes, defensive depth is key. Um, you mentioned uh, something I, I hadn't heard of this before: escalation and de-escalation of a user staying in the same role based on what they're currently doing. Is that something you, is that what you meant? Cause I hadn't heard that before. So I'm in the same role. I haven't changed roles. Um, but based on what I'm doing, my permissions are going up and down. Is that what you said? Um, not specifically for that user. So when, when we, we talk about escalating your own privileges, so we, we have, there are, there's software that we can allow, um, escalation of certain applications. So if you have an ap application that says it needs to run as administrator, you your account is not going to run that. We're going to give the privilege to that to that application to run that. Um, that way, it's not you know we're not going to run the, the email client as an administrator. Um, so, but the other the other point of that escalation or elevation uh, would be, I have my own administrator account. I don't log into my system with my administrator account. I just use it to connect to another server or or connect to an application to do administration. Um, other things we are looking at is ways to even limit those those uh, accounts to then um, escalate as needed or mm -hmm. elevate, you know, request to elevate. Okay, you have to approve that. If I need this to do something that I don't normally do, 
I need to request that and have it approved by whomever, whether it's a uh, system owner, my manager, supervisor, whomever. Um, so really, you know, making a lot of these administrative tasks and elevations um, intentional mm-hmm. and not just by default, just just to you know, just because it's it's what we've always done. So we know that you know, based on you saying what everyone's saying, identity and access management is a huge part of good security, but that's doing it is really hard. When you have a big health system, you have thousands of people, the way people practice healthcare, they're all over the place. They're, they're here and there. The permissions need to go up and down as they change roles and change departments and change units. So it sounds great, right? Identity and access management is important. Get it right. Have it tight. Least privilege all the time. It's hard when the rubber meets the road. Um, and it can be hard, I guess, anytime we get away from pure technology and we're dealing with human beings, that's when things get hard. Uh, but your thoughts around the challenges around doing IAM well and any anything that's worked for you? Yes, I identity access management is very hard. That that is something that is, that has been new to me when I when I came to Wellspan um, nine years ago at this point. Um, so dealing with an organization this large so think you know we i said we have twenty thousand employees but we have an additional non-employee uh population so contractors non-employed physicians nursing students um you know folks that are not employed directly by wellspan so you have to manage all of those identities as well um so having a really good um identity and access management um platform uh to make sure that you have automation in place um, HR processes are key as well. So onboarding, offboarding. Uh, so making sure that timely terminations um, occur. So as soon as HR finds out someone is terminated, we need to make sure that that is automatically fed into our system to to deactivate those accounts um, as quickly as possible. Uh, because you know accounts linger on and other you know in the stories we've heard. Hey, so and so left two years ago. The account's still active. And they're either they're logging in or someone else is logging in uh, with those accounts. So um, lifecycle management is is absolutely huge um, to 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 stay safe. Um, you mentioned transfers. Transfers is, is a big challenge uh, with with within healthcare because we constantly have folks moving to different areas of the hospital. They need different rights in, in different areas. So um, creating roles is 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 a large effort. Um, you know, to make sure that um, a one specific nurse is going to have a different um, set of skill, uh, set of permissions than, than the nurse in another, another area of the hospital. So making sure that, um, you know, they're, they're, they can do what they need to do um, and then make sure that those, um, those capabilities and, and, and permissions transfer um, as, as they need to and as they move about. Yeah, so you, you, you don't want to just keep adding right? You don't want to just keep adding rights, right? As they, maybe they they did something where they need more rights and then yep. at some point they no longer need them. That's got to roll off, right? Correct. Yeah. And temporary, you know, when you have, you know, so-and-so transfers from A to B and oh, well, they're going to be doing A's job for the next two weeks as well as B's job. So making sure you're, you're tracking all of those and make sure you strip those, those privileges um, af- after the transfer completes, so that that those are things that are are always going to be a challenge and finding different ways to to address those. Um, but it really comes down to making sure that you have certification processes, auditing, 
um, and ways to follow up to, to just have regular um, check-ins with with leadership who are uh, responsible for the for those staff members to say, hey, do you still need these privileges for for these users um, on a on a periodic basis? Yeah, that's huge, right? Because yeah. if you yeah. don't know, you know, and I'm I'm picturing you, you guys, you can get yelled at a lot around IAM, right? You can get yelled at a lot in the sense of. Okay, you told me this person needed elevated rights for two weeks, so we set it to be revoked after two weeks. Well, nobody told me they, they're going to keep them for another week. All the rights rolled off. They can't do their job. They're screaming at IT. I mean, so there has to be a tremendous – you mentioned working with HR. I would imagine that's a hugely important relationship. For security, you don't think about it off the top of your head. I mean, if you think about it for more than a minute, you get there, but not initially. Not initially, you don't go, CISOs need to work with HR. That's a tight, tight relationship, but it's huge. So talk to me a little bit about that. I could see hiring and maybe firing, getting that worked out, but these internal changes are more nuanced. And I don't know if HR knows every time. It may be the individual in question or their manager has to know, you got to get in touch with IT. You got to get in touch with IT. Tell me about this. Yeah, I mean, HR is just one of the many important relationships any any security leader uh, needs to have. Um, so, yeah, we work we work very closely with HR. So not just myself, but the, the identity access management team uh, must work close with them, um, mainly because, you know, by policy, if, if an account's disabled because of a termination, I know we, we, we didn't want to go too far on that. But, um, you know, we're, we're not just going to take the word of the employee that says, hey, I can't get in. We, you know, we we take the information from HR. We have to work with them to say, OK, can we can we re-enable so-and-so's account? So that they can, you know, finish their work or or continue, you know, based on on what they need to do. Um, but yeah, c- you know, constantly working with HR to uh, better our processes. Um, you know, some some challenges. You know, we we have to work through are things like you know, leave of absence. Um, you know, things like uh, hey, I'm I'm I need to take off four weeks for uh, whatever reason I I may have. It's approved through HR. How do we make sure that those accounts are secured while while I'm on leave, um, or make sure that I am on leave? Um, you know, and how do we how do we better partner um, in in those areas? Um, yeah, um, other, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I was trying to think of a couple of different areas from from an HR perspective that that we work um, regularly on is um, just. HR deals a lot with with um, you know uh, employee issues, so we are tightly integrated. From you know if we if there's audits that need to be audit that need to be performed, we don't do audits unless HR directs us. We're we're not the internet police. We're not the network police. I'm not watching folks work, mm-hmm. uh, contrary to popular belief. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know we we have to work very closely with them because we support a lot of the work um, that that they do. Um, and they rely on us uh, to provide, you know, that information to back up, you know, whatever, uh, you know, whatever the truth may be in whatever, um, you know, situation they're working through. Did Did you say if you if you had a research arm? We did you do we research. Do. Yeah, yeah, we do. We do. Yes. So I've, I mean, I've heard from many that 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 certainly elevates your profile in terms of risk because that's one of the things that bad actors are looking for. They want research information. Um, research, uh, also, you know, there can be requests for data sharing, 
among people doing research, which is something that probably has to go by you. Can we send this data over here? Um, yep. Research can sometimes involve travel. Um, there was one story told to me about an individual from the health system who did not check with IT and just went on an overseas trip, I think, to China. And, and when that was found out about, their their laptop was remotely disabled because they said, no, no, no. Um, lots of stuff. Uh, any thoughts around all that? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, research became a big uh, a big item, you know, during during the pandemic for sure. Um, so, working with our our different uh, research teams to see, you know, how can we better support them? Um, you know, we 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 protect everyone, uh, but is there additional things that we could do for our our research mm-hmm. folks? Uh, so, you know, see what different technologies. Um, education, you know, can we provide additional education to them um, in in different areas? The this isn't necessarily research specific for for us, but when we talk about travel, uh, we do restrict um, access to our systems from outside of the United States. So our firewalls do not permit um, network connections outside of our our you know our business region, right? We we don't do business outside of South Central Pennsylvania. Uh, but we do allow you know connections from from within the United States. Uh, so whenever our folks travel, um, you know we have to they have to work with us, or or really they're they won't be able to do work while they while they travel. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are different things that we have to uh, work through. Um, and again, goes back to our partnership with HR. If anyone reaches out and says, "Hey, I can't access the VPN from Canada," mm-hmm. uh, okay. We understand your concern. We need you to work with HR to make sure that one, you're approved to work while you're traveling. Um, is this for business? Is it for you know personal? Um, and and working with them to make sure that that, that travel is approved, and then we we find different ways to accommodate that. Very good. All right. Uh, let me ask you one more question, and then I'll get your final thoughts and let you go. Uh, things go very fast when we're talking. Um, one of the bigger things I've been been focused on is business continuity. Uh, you know, we we want to do all these things to prevent an outage, right? Defense in depth, cyber training. Don't click on this. Um, lease permissions. So if some someone gets in, they can't get very far before hopefully you detect them. It's always disturbing to find out someone's been in your network for three months. I don't know how that happens. You know, when the news comes out, they were in the network for six months. That's always a little scary, right? right. Anyway, um, so we do everything we can to prevent, uh, but we have to be prepared to deal with an outage if if we get hit with a ransomware attack or something. Um, certainly a best practice identified to me has been for the security professional to be working closely with emergency management to sort of get tucked up under that umbrella and educate them in the sense of, scenario planning here's something that could happen you're in charge of emergency management management you're probably used to tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes but maybe you don't quite understand how a ransomware incident could unfold i'm going to tell you about how it might unfold and now you got to sort of not not you got to grab the ball but together we're going to work so i want to educate you so you can come up with the overall plan because as a security professional in it I can do certain things, but I cannot continue clinical operations when the systems go down, right? So tell me your thoughts around that whole thing. And specifically, what do you feel is the responsibility of the security professional to make sure the organization is prepared for an outage? 
Yeah, this is a huge, huge topic um, for us and I think many other healthcare uh, organizations, especially in light of all the attacks that are going on. So everybody has to, you know, answer those questions for uh, their leadership and, and their boards. They, they want to know these things. Um, so, you know, you talked about emergency management. We work very closely with that team. Um, we're actually part of their assessments. So when they say, you know, they do their risk assessment of, you know, uh, you know, floods, uh, you know, different different scenarios, you know, um, IT and, and cybersecurity is one of the risks that they rate in all the different um, locations that that they service throughout our, our throughout our system. Um, but you, you mentioned the business continuity piece of it. How do we make sure we operate the system if or when the, the systems are down? Um, so we're actually doing tabletops on these these uh, these now uh, business impact analysis with, with um, third parties to help us really identify, you know, where, where those gaps are um, and making sure that we address them. You know, if, 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 if we have plans in place, great, let's test them out. Let's make sure they actually work. Uh, we have we do a great job of keeping our systems up. Uh, so a lot of folks have never really had to work off of paper, right? So a lot of the newer clinicians that may be coming in the system haven't experienced ex- any extended downtimes, um, you know. But hardware problems happen. Hopefully, cybersecurity events never happen. But 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 you know it's inevitable that systems will be down at some point. So we have to make sure that we're prepared to do that. Um, so. Our our role as as cybersecurity experts in those situations is making sure that um, you know the different business partners understand what is available, what's not, uh, what what's safe to do, and and what's not. So even if a system may look like it's online, you know we we may caution them not to use that uh, just because it, it may not be available or it just may not be um, or it may be a risk. Uh, so, you know, each each leader in all the different areas from a clinical standpoint and operationally. So it's not just clinical, it would be, you know, HR. How is HR going to onboard new staff um, if if the systems are not online? Supply chain, how are we going to get the supplies we need? Um, how are we going to coordinate deliveries? Things like that. Um, from a clinical standpoint, we have to continue to treat patients. Um, so, you know, do you have the charts you need? Do you have paper? to be able to, to do the charting? Um, do you have, you know, everything you need to, to continue to to treat the patients um, in any kind of extended downtime or, or incident commitment? And again, you're not making sure that you have paper. That's emergency management. You're, yeah, you're not right. going to Staples and yeah. buy an ink and putting them in the <laughs> closet, right? No, no, we, yeah, we, yeah, we, we can help. I, I'm, you know, help. I'm, I'm, I'm capable and, uh, enough to, to carry some paper, but, uh, but no, I'm, I'm definitely no clinician, uh, for sure. But those conversations must get interesting when you're describing a potential outage, how it could evolve to emergency management. I would imagine they're eating it up in the sense of you're really educating them because even if you took it through with me, I'd be like, wow, really? Like, if you were to scenario it out, like, here's what's going to happen. Here's what might happen. Here's scenario A. Is that kind of how it works where you're telling them and then I would get this information and then I would call you or something like that? So th- this is really how these conversations happen? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's 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 you know, what's the worst case scenario or here's what actually could happen in, in our environment. So, you know, the, the health record systems down, phone systems down, you only have some analog phones that may exist in certain places. Um, you know, email is definitely not available and, you know, it's okay. So what do you do in that situation? 
And then maybe in two days, we'll tell you something's back up and you may be right. able to use it. Right now we are, we are digitally dark. So yeah. you, we, we need to figure out how to do that. So yeah, our emergency management team um, is very, like I said, we were very involved with them uh, because, you know, they're the experts in, in that area, right? They, they know what happens in, in major emergencies. This, you know, without any, you know, um, IT systems, it's, it's, it's definitely going to be an emergency. Mike, I could keep you all day, but I'm just going to get your final thoughts and let you go. Uh, I really could. Um, any final piece of advice for someone in your position at a comparable sized health system based on your career, what you've achieved, things that you feel sort of you bring to the table, any piece of advice for your colleagues? Yeah. Um, for for me, I think the the keys to success for, for any security leader um, is collaboration. Um, and empathy. So, you know, most 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 cybersecurity folks that I that I that I've worked with have have worked in all different areas of IT. Uh, so they understand the impacts of security in all the different areas. So, you know, asking somebody to patch a hundred systems is like, yes, I have been there. I know it. I I I feel for you. Um, but you know, we we have to do those things. So, understanding the impacts of what you're doing um, and being being empathetic. Uh, but collaborative um, is 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 key to success in a lot of different areas. Uh, we we can't we can't be secure in a silo. Uh, we we can't you know fix and prevent everything on our own. So we have to work. We have to work together um, to to be successful. Excellent, excellent interview, Mike. A lot of great stuff in there. Like the empathy. So appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. No, thank you very much, Anthony. I appreciate it.